Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? I, for one, am so thankful to be here this morning. And I'm thankful he brought each and every one of you into his house today. I pray that I can give you something out of this lesson to help you. I know it helped me, so I, I pray that it helps you as well. Um, Brother Tanner brought us these baskets last week, and I don't know if that helped you, but I've looked at it many times this week. Um, and I've reminded all the time that everything that's in that is his anyway. Um, and I'm stretching my memory here. Two weeks is about the max on my memory. Um, but Brother Chris brought a message of the voice, and I, if you didn't hear that one, powerful message. These two have just hung with me this, this week. Um, now, I was going to bring you some, uh, I thought, well, if I'm, if I'm going to bring a prop, you know, I can throw water on everybody, and you know, because you can see what I'm talking on, but Brother... Brother Tillman said, am I going to practice this uh, message in the baptismal? And no, I'm not. So, uh, anyway, I know that this, uh, we're going to be talking about walking on water this morning. And I know this is a very familiar occurrence in Scripture. Uh, everybody's probably heard about this a million times, and that's okay, because it's amazing how when you're living for God and you're reading these Scriptures, I don't care if you've read your Bible through 14 times, for some reason, God can... It's the living word for a reason, and it brings something into your spirit, and sometimes it's what you're going through helps bring it out. So if you'll join me this morning for a quick prayer, Lord, we love you this morning. We just ask you, Lord, that we know that you are in this room. We know that your word that we are about to teach on this morning is anointed. I pray you anoint my lips of clay, that I would speak what you want me to speak and anoint even my ears as well, God, that I would hear what your spirit wants to say to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So I'm no old school. Got to have it. I don't trust those computers. I'm sorry. I know everybody's doing it, but they scare me because if that thing goes out, I'm in trouble. Ain't no telling what I'm going to preach then. <laughs> so, um, Let's turn to the Word of God this morning in the book of John, chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 16 this morning. I'm giving everybody just a second. I hear pages turning, so I just want to make sure. We got it up there. Okay. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew, so that when they had rowed about five, five and twenty or thirty furlongs, so we're talking about two and a, three, three and a half miles, they see Jesus walking on the sea, but drawing nigh unto the ship, 
and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. This is also recorded in the book of Matthew, start in chapter 14, and I want to read this one because it's going to tie together. It gives us a clear picture. Starting at verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent a multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, say saw, the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And then when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came worshiping him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Now I don't know if I'm the only one in here that can be fascinated by disaster and things that happen. I'm not fascinated with people that lose their lives, obviously, that mourn with them. But things that happen, um, shipwrecks, things that almost happened here, um, obviously people get fascinated with them because they have a museum just for the Titanic. And I think it's just a connection of wanting to know what went wrong. Why did this happen? Almost every single time that you have these instances, it's the captain. He had so much experience. He's been doing this for a hundred years. You know, I just can't believe what happened. And, and I think it's just that connection that makes us want to know our inquisitive nature of why. And one of the most well-known and researched shipwrecks outside of the Titanic came from the largest cargo ship in the Great Lakes, the Edmund Fitzgerald. For 13 years, it was the largest ship on the Great Lakes. Some photos make it appear as if it's two ships, but it was just one. And this, this ship was an all-star. The ship and its crew made 748 round trips in its 17-year career. Built to haul iron ore from Wisconsin to Detroit. But something happened on November 10th, 1975 that even the experts cannot explain. Lake Superior turned from friend to foe and turned on the ship. Hurricane force winds beat up the nearly 30,000 ton freighter and the churning waves tossed it around like a ball. The captain, McSorley was his name, radioed for help to a nearby freighter. He said, I have a bad list. Both radars are out, taken on heavy seas over the deck, one of the worst seas I've ever been in. They were only 17 miles from shore, and that seems like a long way, but in a normal, calm day of boating, it would have been about an hour they would have been to shore. But this day was not calm. 
This day, the lake appeared angry, and by the end of the day, Lake Superior claimed the lives of all 29 crew members and the largest ship from the Great Lakes. It even inspired a song by Gordon Lightfoot, um, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And they formed the stuff of legend because even the most experienced seafaring sailors find themselves sometimes in situations completely out of their control. And it, sometimes it claims their lives. The Great Lakes turned on the Edmund Fitzgerald much like the Sea of Galilee turned on the disciples' modest fishing boat. It wasn't the biggest boat in the Sea of Galilee, I promise you that. And many of these disciples, we have to remember, were fishermen. These were experienced men. The amazing thing about this is it comes, as we heard last week, it comes on the heels of one of the greatest miracles recorded of the feeding of the, of the thousands of people on a Lunchable. I don't even buy Lunchables. They don't fill your kids up. It's just the way the money. Um, but after he fed their stomachs, he fed their souls, and these disciples were a part of that. They partook of this. They witnessed it. They saw it. We heard about this last week, this miracle. And after all this, Jesus preached to them. He slipped out of the crowd. He sent his disciples into the boat to sail to the other side, and he would meet up with them later. As they sailed, he prayed. The sun was setting. The moon was beaming. The night was perfect for another calm cruise across the sea. You know, that pristine look that you see if you've ever stayed on a lake, it's just, it was that kind of night. And they're rowing along with no concerns or cares, and more than likely what they were doing was what I would be doing is, can you believe what just happened? Can you believe what we witnessed? How did we have that many leftovers off of something we didn't even have in our hands? There's no way they weren't discussing this. There's no way. Um, but they were already, it's transpired hours earlier, but they were already in the middle of the water halfway there. I picture it like this for me. After a great move of God and God really moves on you in, in church or in, wherever you're at and you have this great move of God, it's just that residue of that spirit that you're partaking of well after you leave the house. That would be what I would consider what they were in. And, we're, and let's just picture ourselves driving home, we're talking about all this, and then without warning, they found themselves in the middle of a sea and the water had turned angry. In a matter of seconds, they went from a calm, moonlit cruise to rowing for their lives. But this was not their first time in danger on the water, if we remember. As the wind pushed and the sea churned, they thought back to the last time that it looked like this, and they're like, what did we do? What did we do then? And they thought, we'll just wake Jesus up. That's what we did last time, and he'll just stand up, calm the sea, and everything will be fine. But the problem was, Jesus wasn't sleeping on the boat. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even on the boat. He was off praying somewhere. And as we live for God, you and I will discover God doesn't typically do the same thing the same way every time. And that's okay. That's okay. It just tells us that He is God. We are not. And He knows what He's doing even when we don't. It's an easy thing to say. You stand up here and you can say this, but when you're in the middle of the storm, it's a little bit different because when you're in the middle of a storm or a trial, your fight 
or flight kicks in and, and literally you're just wanting to survive the storm. And that's reality. God doesn't answer our prayers the same way we want them to either. Sometimes we pray for healing. God miraculously heals, and we've witnessed that. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he allows Sister Jones to have new lungs, and we can see the miracle from another way that God and what he could do. So when God answers a prayer for someone down the road from us, but he doesn't answer ours like we hope, God's still God. And God is still good. He doesn't love you less than he loves the other person. And you're going to see what I'm talking about. See, when our storm is happening, we forget that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. And he's all-seeing. Somehow, we think he might have forgot my prayer. I can teach this because I live this, and so have every one of you in this room. So you can hear this because you know that uh, I, like you, have went through these same things. I sat, actually it was last night, I was going through everything, and um, this is odd for me. But I sat there, and I was in the Sunday school room back there, and I was trying to just finish putting this together. And I literally felt, I was crying. If I'm careful, I'll do it again. But I, 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 something just got a hold of me. I just, and it hit me that hard, and I was thinking about this. And so this morning, what I felt, part of what God was telling me was, I'm, I'm not teaching at something this morning. I'm teaching to something this morning. And you're going to see the difference in a minute. And maybe I'm pre uh, teaching to the things that I forgot when I was in my storm. It took a little Bible study group to talk, and I can, it is like a switch. It's my son that did it. He reminded me, because I was in the middle of a storm myself, and he reminded me, and he said, Dad, I think you forgot what God's done for you. And I had to be reminded. And as soon as he said it, and he left, and I was sitting there. I didn't tell anybody. I don't even think I told my wife, but it just reminded me. I was like, what am I doing? What am I looking at? And this, this might seem a little off subject, but it's going to make sense. It reminded me of that time, and I'm going to share it because there was this preacher, and somebody's going to know, but he, he was going through a storm, and his prayers weren't getting answered the way he thought he should, and he was asking his mentor, and his mentor was a well-known preacher, and they were walking down a path, and, and he's telling this mentor his problems and how he doesn't feel like God's answering or whatever, and the mentor said, hey, they walked by a rose bush, and it was just the bud. And he said, pick that bud off that rose bush and open it. And so he tried to open it, and of course it just fell apart and crumbled in his hands and the lesson he told him was, God unfolds the rose. You can't do it. It's in his time and it's his, in his way. And the amazing thing is that it came to me was it only becomes beautiful through the process. And sometimes that process has storms. 
You're not going to get a bloom of a rose and the beauty of the rose without the rain. It doesn't happen. And if you look at yourself in your life and you think, God, how do I make this beautiful? You can't make it beautiful. But in the process of the storms and the rain and the things that you feel inside, he puts you through that process so when you come out the other side, that's your beauty. And that's where you become beautiful. Maybe God hasn't answered your prayer the way you want him to, but when he does, it will be beautiful. But you can't forget who does it all. This is the place the disciples find themselves. This time, the sea that they've been on for many, many times, it would have been a great encore of the miracle of the feeding of all these thousands if Jesus would have just walked on these calm seas. How many of us are just like that in this room? We've, we've done all that we know to do. You've strapped on all the armor that you can. You've mustered all the faith that you can muster. You've put on the helmet of salvation, and you look like you're ready with your Bible in your hand. You're headed to church. But inside, you're in the middle of the same storm that we're talking about this morning and that the disciples found themselves in, and they were scared. Just imagine being the tax collector. Any tax collectors in here? You might not want to raise your hand. Um, or the doctor, Brother Weaver. Just imagine, they ain't experienced people on a boat. I don't even know if these guys ever been on a boat. They had to be most scared of them all. Because it seemed like for every bucket of water they bailed out of the boat, the sky opened up, the waves crashed down, and two more buckets poured in. Try as they might, they just couldn't get ahead. The Bible doesn't tell us at these times that we have to be the pitcher of faith and tackle every giant that you can find because he knows you have that shield of faith strapped on. And the Bible says that the devil shoots the fire, the enemy shoots the fiery darts and the darts are quenched, but it doesn't tell you the darts don't come through. It just puts the fire out. The disciples had faith. They had to. They just witnessed and partook of an undeniable miracle. But now all of a sudden they're in the unforgiving hands of hurricane-like winds in a small fishing boat rowing for all they're worth. And it seems like they totally forgot what just happened. Although Jesus was not with them, he was watching them. Mark's gospel records one of the most reassuring passages in all the Word of God. And it's a passage we need to read. We need to remember, I, I need to remember this. It's located in Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It says, He, Jesus, saw them toiling in rowing. The disciples couldn't see him, but he could see them. And it reminded me of the message, the, the voice. They couldn't see him, but he said, I can see you. So just listen. We need to hear that verse again. We need to let it sink in. Write it down with permanent marker on your soul if you have to. When they cannot see him, he still saw them, and he saw them when they were calmly rowing along, and he saw them when they were fighting for their lives. He sees you in your storm. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your struggle no matter what it is, 
And as Brother Paul said, after you strap on all that armor and you've done all that you know to do, he says, just stand. And all I could picture in my mind with that verse is just stand and just look to the one that has it all anyway. You've done everything you can do. Let him do the rest. That's what he's here for. Don't forget who has you. Would have been a great story if he just came walking on them calm waters. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus would just come in and fix every problem before it ever had a problem? But then I have a question for you. Could you call him your Savior if he did that? If he never had to save you, you wouldn't, he wouldn't be your Savior. He came walking above the water when it looked like the water was about to take the disciples under. How many times have we been in this place where we couldn't see how he was going to do it, but he just did it. Don't forget who knows you. Storms on the Sea of Galilee, I would say they were describing it in this lesson. I'd say it's like Alabama weather. A squall would form, much like our typical storms. It looks like a sunny, beautiful day. You're like, man, this is a great day. If we didn't have the weather channel, we wouldn't know nothing was going on. But that line's on its way. And it can go from a moment of being like, it starts raining and then it's torrential and it changes the whole atmosphere and that's how it was and that's how they described that sea and what happens with the mountains and the air. So without warning, this happened. Be wonderful if these storms came with a warning light. Oh, something's coming, but they don't. Be wonderful if all of life's storms came with that warning too. If we'd have fair warning before the storm hits and tosses our boat. We could even get out of the boat and maybe get to shore before it ever hit, but it just doesn't work that way. They strike without warning. Car accidents claim your loved ones, and there's no warning. Diagnosis has come, no warning. Job loss, layoffs, no warning. Takes your security. Addiction claims your freedom. Maybe someone you lose someone near and dear to you, this happened to me, and it's a storm. It's a brutal storm, and it's a storm each and every one of us in here is going to face. But even when life surprises us and tosses us around, it doesn't surprise Jesus. He knows exactly what will happen. He knows when it's going to happen. He sees you. As the disciples wrestled to steer their boat to safety, they saw a silhouette of a man walking on the waves. That's truly something you don't see every day. People don't walk on water. The silhouette must be a ghost, they thought. So I guess right in the middle of your storm now, you got a ghost coming to haunt you. Life just got worse, so they thought. They're more afraid of the water-walking silhouette than they were of the storm. That's what they cried out for fear of was this ghost spirit. And they were surprised when Jesus answered in Mark 6, 50, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Oh, to hear those words right in the middle of whatever storm you're facing. We should follow the disciples' lead and look to Jesus in our storm. When the winds pound and the rain stings, look to Jesus. When he showed up shipside, he calmed their fears because he wasn't a ghost. Thank goodness. Then he pulled back the veil even further than he had pulled it back to them previously. 
And he revealed to them that he was the I am. I'm going to tell you how we know that. King James Version reads, it is I, be not afraid. But I studied this because they brought this up in this lesson. And those two Greek words really translate, I am, be not afraid. This is the original Greek. Jesus identified himself as the God of the Old Testament who introduced himself to Moses as the I am. Be similar to saying Jehovah. So I don't know if you've all studied the different names that they gave, but you have Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. And he provided the ram for Abraham to sacrifice. Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals all of our infirmities. Jehovah Nisi, the God, our banner of victory, who fought with Israel against their enemies. This same God, standing in the wind and the waves that threaten their very lives. In this statement Jesus made in Matthew 14, I'm not going to go and read them. Mark 6 and John 6 is one of the fullest revelations of Jesus' identity to his disciples and to us. He is the I Am. They followed him long enough to know all these four times where God revealed himself in a new way to his people. And they knew if he could do it for others, they could certainly do it for them. Never lose sight of who Jesus really is. He's not just a baby in a manger or a crucified Christ on the cross. He came off the cross. He came out of the ground because he is the I Am. And how do you know that they really saw him that way? Because Matthew 14, that we read earlier says, And when they were all coming to the ship and the wind ceased, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. This is the first recorded time the disciples worshipped Jesus. First time after the storm. Had they not went through the storm, they wouldn't have known who he was. When we study Matthew's account with John's, as we had read, we get a more complete picture. Peter could not believe what he was seeing. Then when Peter realized Jesus was there and Jesus was the I am, he asked to walk on the water. I don't know if he thought he was going to get a no, but he didn't get a no. He got to come on. So... When you ask God for something, he may not say no. He may, you may get a come on. He threw one leg over the boat. Then he threw another leg. Brother Tillman, you want to show us this? <laughs> it was time to hold on or let go. Do or die. The die part scared him, I promise you. Peter let go of the boat. He began to walk on the water. Just imagine how that felt. Him and Jesus were the only ones that ever used the sea for a sidewalk, especially in a storm. Maybe the thunder, maybe the lightning lit up the sky, but something caught Peter's attention, and he looked away. He looked away from Jesus just long enough to look around. He began to look at the storm. He began to look at the waves. He began to look at the, the, everything that was going on. And that's when he began to sink. And it was like here, Peter is writing a script of our lives. We're in the middle of the storm, and, and we start looking around instead of looking to him, and it was like we forgot to look for Jesus. 
This reminded me of what I said earlier. These things Peter forgot because when he looked directly to Jesus, he was on top of the water, and when he forgot who it was that let him walk as far as he did, and he forgot who it was that fed those thousands of people, that's when he began to sink. In studying, it was revealed to me that up to 80% of what our brain processes is from what we see. How many times does the Bible speak about men that have lost their way and it always says, but their eyes were dim? There's a reason why it's called vision. They lost that vision of who Jesus was. If you're in the midst of a struggle, I'm going to be the guy that reminded me yesterday and I'm going to remind you, I'm going to ask you, what are you looking at? Are we being like David that was preached a few weeks ago? It says he's seeing the prosperity of the wicked. And guess what? Because of what he was looking at, he started slipping. He said, God, they don't even know you. And it appears, if you read it, he's, he's basically saying, God, they don't even know you. They don't even serve you. And it looks like they're not going through nothing. They got the money. They got everything that you see that we think we should have. But oh, when he came back to the sanctuary, he got a clear vision. Then he could see what God was trying to show him. Doesn't matter at, po at what point, I'm going to say this, it doesn't matter at what point you realize you're looking the wrong way because we've all done it. And we all need to be reminded, in no time, especially in the midst of a storm, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. I say this because as soon as Peter realized and they stepped into the boat, he called out to Jesus and he's, he could have went back to the boat. I don't know how far he walked, but he could have went back to the boat. But he also knew that something made with human understanding wasn't going to help him there. That boat didn't get him walking on the water. Jesus did. Maybe you have a diagnosis that doesn't look good that you brought here today. Maybe you have bills you don't know how you're going to pay. Maybe you have the fear of being forgotten. Maybe you think God just forgot you. It happens. Raise your hand if you ever thought that. Where are you? Maybe you think God doesn't see your struggle. Oh, but I assure you, he sees it. And he still has power over all those situations. Just keep your eyes on him. No doubt in this room you may look like you got it all together, but there still may be a storm brewing inside. Many times when we're going through things, and I can say this because I've done it, you put your best front forward. Because you don't want to give something to the storm. You really are here because you want to keep your eyes on God. But how long can you bail out that water on your sinking boat alone? How long do you think you can last bailing out water in the middle of a storm like that? If you don't have God. We always ask that question. I think Brother Dodd even told me this morning. I'm so glad to see you, Sister Dodd. God's doing miracles still today. And he said, what would we do if we didn't have God? How many times? I've said that a million times. What would I do? What did I do before I knew him? Where did I take my problems? 
You don't have to do it alone. Jesus is here. If you're looking at the wind and the waves this morning and feeling that rain pounding on your back, John has good news. The I am is here. Always has power to calm the storm, but even if he doesn't, he'll be with you in it. He'll be with you in it. And he will calm you. When we realize whom we're serving, we'll fret less and trust more. He's still with us. He's the Almighty. And you can stand with me this morning. I'm, a, I'm getting close to wrap up here. If you want to see the miracles, we have to weather some storms. Do you have Psalms 107, Brother Dallas, starting at verse 23? This here was written way before Peter and his disciples got in the storm. And let me just go to this because my, my heading on here is deliverance from the storms right there in the Bible. And as I read these scriptures, I want you to think of our text because it's almost like a prophetic message. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters... These see the works of the Lord and the wonders in the deep. I compare this to what they saw with that feeding of the 5,000. And he commandeth it, raiseth up the stormy wind. Who commands the winds? He does. Sometimes the storms, he brings you through. He brings it. He raises up the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. And they mount up to the heaven. And they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man. And they're at their wit's end. Who's ever been at their wit's end? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He brings them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. You want to get to a desired haven with God? There's your prophetic word. Weather the storm. But when you're in the middle of the storm, keep looking to him. Earlier in the lesson, I made a statement that I'm not teaching at something, but to something. What I was saying here is faith isn't something we throw at our situation. But faith is what is produced in the process because it brings us to something. It brings us to an understanding of who Jesus really is. And that's where our faith is produced. When we realize that He is God alone and He is the master of every situation, then you can understand the reason for the storm. And this is the last thing before I'm done. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. But there's a little bit to the end of that. Let me find it. For he that cometh to God must believe first that he is. He is the I am. And when you believe that, then he can work that faith in your situation. <laughs> faith isn't produced in, through that process and help us to know him fully. And this is a process the devil is going to always try to get you to forget that last miracle, that last time, that last instance that God stepped into your situation and changed it. You seem to have amnesia like I do. 
And I had to be reminded. You forgot, Dad. You forgot what God's done. So hold on through whatever you're going through this morning. Keep your eyes, your vision, your focus on Jesus. And he will allow to produce faith in a way to carry you through anything that comes your way. Let's pray this morning. Lord. God, we are so thankful for your word this morning, thankful for you, thankful that we know that you are God alone and beside you there is no other. God, remind us in the times that we're going through the storms of life that you're right by our side and help us to realize that what you're producing, let us grab hold of what you're trying to produce in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.